to the David Glenn Show. Most of this hour is reserved for your calls. I was not here yesterday. Questions, comments, leftovers from the weekend that was are welcome a little bit later. Joining us now, as promised, a guy who's covered college football for so long, he's long ago earned the nickname Mr. College Football. He works with ESPN and the SEC Network. If you Google Tony Barnhart and Maven Sports, you can find his columns at that outlet as well. Tony, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? DJ, I'm doing well. Doing well. It's good to have you back. None of us are surprised to see Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and even Ohio State as five of the top six in the college football rankings. But you wrote last week that not only could LSU jump into that mix, Ed Orgeron, the head coach, could change a lot of perceptions about him and his program. They did beat the Longhorns. What do you see uh, as having changed with that big win? Well, what, what has changed is, is they've been telling us for 10 years that they were going to update the offense, and they never did it, and now they have. And the key to that thing, David, the other night is when the game got tight at the end, when it was 37-31, and LSU had the ball, the LSU team of old shoot 99% of coaches, you got the ball with a six-point lead and four minutes to go, what are you going to do? You're going to run clock. You're going to run the four-minute offense and try to get them to get, knock out a first down and make them use their timeout. Uh, LSU didn't do that. They, had, they went back on the attack mode and uh, – Joe Burrow throws a 61-yard touchdown pass, puts him up by two scores. That ended up being the difference in the game. That it, It's a change of mindset that a lot of people have been waiting for. Tony Barnhart joining us on the David Glenn Show on Twitter. He is at Mr. CFB, M-R-C-F-B. I've been around long enough to have seen some good college quarterbacks at LSU, Jamarcus Russell and otherwise. Uh, but you made references to the best quarterback play since dot, dot, dot when it came to the transfer QB for the Tigers, Joe Burrow. Uh, it feels like LSU has often been good, but rarely, you know, with the quarterback really leading the way. How much weight are you willing to put on what has been a phenomenal two-game start for Joe Burrow that has actually catapulted him into like the Las Vegas odds for the Heisman conversation? Well, this guy's special. I mean, when you're watching that game the other night, I mean, he was on fire. Every throw was right. I mean, it's hard to go 31 of 39 against tall grass, yeah. but he did. He did. And he, he absolutely was just precise. Uh, he, the touchdown, the last touchdown I just talked about. Yeah. It, it was a play where he was getting pressure from the outside. He eluded the pressure running to his left and threw a perfect ball over the top of the defender right into the receiver's hands, and boom, that's just kind of play of another LSU quarterback wouldn't think about making, much less make under that kind of pressure. When I look beyond the top six, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, Ohio State, there are teams on that next tier that include, for example, Florida, which barely beat Miami, uh, or you know Notre Dame, which struggled with Louisville for a while. It's hard for me to see a lot of great candidates after that top six to just kind of gradually join this conversation. Is there anybody in your eyes that has played well enough just through two weeks that you could at least foresee them making a run toward this top tier? Not really, unless it was a dark horse like Utah or somebody like that with a great, great defense. I don't think they're good enough offensively to, to do it. Uh, I think 
I think your national championship is going to come from that group of six. Now the question we got to we got to find out at the end of the year is does the SEC get two in? Are they good enough to yeah. get two in? It's going that's going to be quite a debate as we particularly if Alabama and Georgia stay undefeated and LSU's only loss is to Alabama or if they beat Alabama. That's going to be a heck of an argument. A lot of folks when Mac Brown was hired at Carolina were wondering is he too old? to kind of reboot that eight straight winning seasons he had back in the 1990s. And the Tar Heels right now are one of the surprises in college football in the eyes of many. 2-0, and both wins against Power 5 opponents, South Carolina in Charlotte and then Miami on Saturday night as we were there in Chapel Hill. Uh, what are your words of wisdom for the uber-optimistic Carolina fans out there who are you know, excited about the longer-term future, but uh, also more excited than most thought they would be about this 2019 season? Well, the biggest thing that Mac has done, first of all, Mac is completely re-energized. He and I trade text messages from time to time during the course of a week, and he is so excited. But the thing that makes him the most proud is what this group of guys has gone through uh, in North Carolina and for them to really be the tougher team when they played South Carolina in the fourth quarter and to win another tough game the other night. He is just, uh, he's proud of them. And, and the best thing Mac has done in that staff is made them believe in themselves. And so I, that's, uh, I, I'm absolutely tickled for Mac. With that in mind, you've been around a long time, and you know that if a good head coach hires the wrong coordinators or builds a, a mediocre staff, it's going to come back to haunt them. And, of course, the reverse is true as well. You saw the Tar Heels offensive coordinator, Phil Longo, at Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. And he's getting credit for running stuff that even in the NFL right now, the Rams and the Chiefs and the Cardinals are, are running versions of you know that Cliff Kingsbury-type stuff. Uh, and he found, he said as an ESPN broadcaster, Jay Bateman at Army as they're, you know, shutting down the San Diego State running back in one bowl game and then limiting Oklahoma to 20-some points in another head-to-head -head game. Uh, what do you make of that as some are describing Jay Bateman as a guy who uh, is in that Dave Aranda, LSU, Mike mm -hmm. Elko, A&M group of uh, rising defensive coordinators? Well, what it tells you, DG, is there are good coaches everywhere, and you just got to go find them. Uh, there, there are guys on staff that, that nobody – you know, Phil Longo, when he came to Ole Miss, I remember talking to the folks there, and they said, you, you know, we like to go fast. Well, Phil Longo likes to go even faster. So we're going we're gonna to go faster than we did before. Uh, the guy is a brilliant – has a brilliant offensive mind. And so, yeah, look, Mac knows that at this point in his life, uh, his job is to recruit, hire good coaches, and let them coach the football team and get, get everybody headed in the right direction emotionally. And I think, that, I think he has done that. It would be impossible for you to see all these plays from all of these games, but I want to get your thoughts on the true freshman quarterback at Carolina, Sam Howell. You know, the bottom line, Tony, and I, I saw the entirety of both games – there's a running joke around here, actually, that, you know, who threw more NFL-caliber passes last week, Cam Newton of the Panthers <laughs> or Sam Howell of the Tar Heels? And I think the correct answer is actually Sam Howell. If he doesn't throw a couple balls against South Carolina where only his guy can get it, you're right in the corner of the end zone, it's either going to be an incompletion or a touchdown. He did it twice to the Gamecocks in that comeback victory, and then he did it to Daz Newsom to beat the Hurricanes on Saturday night. We know this is not your typical true freshman quarter 
quarterback. I wonder if you're getting the sense that the two-time and two-week ACC Rookie of the Year is starting to gain a name for himself uh, more nationally. Oh, I don't, I don't think there's any question about it. And look, Sam Howell is just the latest example of true freshmen coming in, being ready to go. Jake Fromm comes to mind two years ago at Georgia, led him to the national championship game. The guys who come, and the coaches will tell you this, the guys who come out of high school now are so much better prepared for this than, than just than a generation ago or even 10 years ago. These guys are going to summer camps. They're going on seven-on-seven camps. They are working all the time. They go. Uh, they get personalized instruction. So, particularly if you get a guy who enrolls early and enrolls in January, he can be ready to go. And 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 Sam Howell is just another example of that trend. Do the Tar Heels or UVA or two and O Wake Forest or two and O NC State or two and O Boston College? Does anybody in the ACC not named Clemson? strike you as capable of even making a run like toward the top 10 nationally, if not getting into that national title picture you talked about earlier? I, I, I don't think so. I think this is going to be a year where it's Clemson and everybody else is sort of playing for middle of the pack. Now, it's a good team. Don't get me wrong. But if you're talking, if you're talking about a team that's going to challenge in the top 10 or something like that, I don't see that kind of team uh in the ACC after after Clemson a lot of good teams but no uh no exceptional thing Mark Rick told us last week he thought the Tigers biggest risk game uh the Clemson Tigers biggest risk was A&M and they won that by 14 Mm -hmm. and it it looked even more convincing than that and at the time coach Rick said the second biggest risk was a trip to the Carrier Dome to take on Syracuse and then the Mm -hmm. Orange just get completely (laughs) annihilated 63 to 20 at Maryland what did you make of that? Because Dino Babers appeared to be the guy who went from two bad teams at Syracuse to last year's you know, top 15, 10-win breakthrough and then a preseason favorite uh, in the ACC this year. What do you make of that? Well, Mike Loxley, the, the coach at Maryland, the head coach at Maryland, told anybody who would listen, I'm inheriting a really good football team, which is why I want this job. Uh, for all the problems that they have, they recruited well at Maryland. And uh, Mike Loxley knew, and he's bringing in the he brought in the former uh, uh, Virginia Tech quarterback, right? And so now, yes, now he, Josh Jackson, yeah, it, right? And so, and so now he's got him a ready-made team. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I like what they're doing at Syracuse, but they just got worn out. And who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe Syracuse rebounds Clemson after this that big emotional win against Texas A&M. Maybe they come out a little flat. We'll see. Last thing for Tony Barnhart, and check him out at Maven Sports. He's doing well work for them as well. TMG, you can find. Just Google Maven Sports and Tony Barnhart. You'll find it. ESPN, SEC Network, on Twitter at Mr. CFB. While in ACC country, we're talking about a second-year head coach, Willie Taggart, who has his hands full for reasons that you're well aware of. In SEC country, it feels like there's a second-year coach with an even bigger headache. What is going on in volunteer land with Jeremy Pruitt, Pruitt, formerly of Alabama, now that they've lost back-to-back to Georgia State and BYU? Yeah, the, the, it's two, it was, first of all, it was two completely different games. Uh, the Georgia State game, Tennessee, frankly, didn't show up. And Georgia State dominated a lot of scrimmage for six months. Uh, Tennessee kept waiting on Georgia State just to give them the game. And Georgia State said, no, I don't think we're going to do that. Yeah. And, and, and it was an embarrassing, embarrassing loss. Tennessee played much harder, had a much better game plan. The fans, they got to give credit to the fans, 
at Tennessee. They showed up and they supported their team, but they let an inferior team hang around and couldn't make plays to put the game away when they were there to be made. And guess what? They get beat on a blown coverage. They kick a field goal near the end of the game, and BYU wins it in overtime. It is, uh, it's a mess. They'll beat Chattanooga. Then after that, they go on one of those long four or five game stretches in the SEC. And the SEC can be very unforgiving once you dig yourself a hole. Quick follow-up, because you talked to so many people who know this industry so well. In October and even November of last year, early November, the word out of Chapel Hill was, yeah, they're frustrated with back-to-back losing seasons for Larry Fedora, but his buyout number was $12 million or so, which is large even by modern standards. What is your educated guess on a guy like Jeremy Pruitt? I've read that he has a $10 million or so buyout. Or a Willie Taggart. We don't typically think of just two years in coaches getting bought out, but those are both football-crazy schools Taggart's buyout is $17 million, and FSU mm. is not a wash in cash, as I understand it. Um, right. d- do you think those circumstances give those guys more time, or are they coaching for their jobs over the next couple months? Well, I think we're, we're going we're gonna to find out there. But the, the big key, the big key, and somebody like a Philip Former, the AD uh, at Tennessee, the former uh, Hall of Fame coach, he's watching carefully to see if the players – are still listening to the coach because once the coach loses the team, yeah. then then your hands are tied. Okay, then you got to you got to do something. But as long as the players are listening to the coach and and he's coaching his team, then you sort of gut it out and go through. I'm I just I, I, there are just so many examples. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, here's one I saw yesterday. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt is five and nine in his first fourteen games as head coach. Johnny Majors was four nine and one in his four, first fourteen games, and Johnny Majors was there for sixteen years. So, I heard he turned out pretty well. It, it, it worked <laughs> out, and all was said and done. Yeah. There's a famous Frank Beamer story at Virginia Tech along those lines as well. I think exactly. he was like two eight and one in his sixth season or something like that. I think they're glad they kept him around. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. Thanks for the visit. As always, keep up the good work. Okay, Eugene. See you. Find them everywhere. ESPN, SEC Network, Maven Sports, TMG, even 680 The Fan in Atlanta out here in Sports Radio Land. 1-800-849-2761. I was on the golf course yesterday. You have leftovers from the weekend. Best and worst of the weekend. I imagine you played a version of yesterday as Darren Vaught jumped from the producer's chair to the host chair. I am back. Perhaps not better than ever, but happy to converse with you, your questions, your comments. The Panthers went down in a close one to the L.A. Rams. The Tar Heels are 2-0, and but so are the Wolfpack and the Demon Deacons and the Mountaineers and Boston College and Virginia and Clemson to choose some other ACC teams. 1-800-849-2761. I watched the finales of the U.S. Open this weekend. GOAT candidate Rafael Nadal did win a thrilling, exhausting, emotional five-hour marathon in the men's final. Serena Williams remains stuck on 23 Grand Slam singles titles. She turns 38 years old this month. She hasn't won a Grand Slam singles title in almost three years at this point. She made another final but did fall in that U.S. Open finale. Elsewhere, the Carolina Hurricanes are back on the golf course yesterday in camp very shortly. 
Antonio Brown is in the headlines. Miami, the Hurricanes, Florida State, Syracuse, the Steelers, the Browns, the Dolphins, and others led the way for worst of the weekend as they hit my inbox over the weekend. Ohio State, Clemson, LSU were best of the weekend. First wins for Mike Houston at ECU, Tony Trishiani at Elon, Scott Satterfield at Louisville, among others, were also best of the weekend nominees. We had a lot of fun in Chapel Hill. It was great to meet many of you face-to-face. -face. We may have qualified more than ever in the Continental Tire Toss. You, too, can win four free Continental Tires by coming to see us and qualifying in the Continental Tire Toss. We'll be in Greenville in two weeks. We'll be in Boone at the end of the month, and we're coming all over Carolina between now and that December, uh, the early December ACC title game at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. We have games to look forward to in college football and the NFL. Even as we look back at the weekend that was, you can steer the ship at 1-800-849-2761. More of my thoughts on last football weekend. And remember, the coming weekend begins with Panthers hosting Bucks on Thursday, Tar Heels at Demon Deacons on Friday. So it's not just a Saturday, Sunday, Monday special this time. We've got some big games that are not too far away. 1-800-849-2761. More on Mac is back. More on the Panthers stubbing their toe in week one. And more on the crazy Antonio Brown weekend. I mean, it felt like four straight days of twists and turns as we were enjoying actual football games. But as Antonio Brown kept grabbing the headlines, he is now a member of the New England Patriots. And that's the team that tried to trade for him with the Steelers. They were rejected for a first-round pick. Did Antonio Brown play everybody? Jerry Rice says we all got played by A.B. Tony Dungy says he's disappointed that Patriots owner Robert Kraft approved the signing of the erratic, sometimes disruptive, often unhappy, but definitely productive wide receiver. Do you think the Patriots made this plan happen over a period of many months or is the conspiracy part of this equation something that really only started to rise when Mike Mayock, Raiders GM, and A.B. went nose-to-nose -nose with some not very nice words flying in at least one direction? More on those crazy stories with more of your phone calls. 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Quick comments from some big names in the NFL. You can agree or disagree. I, of course, will share my thoughts. Tony Dungy, Super Bowl champion head coach, broadcaster as well, said he was, quote, disappointed that New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft approved the signing of the embattled, disruptive, often unhappy, and certainly erratic 
wide receiver of great note. He was phenomenal with the Steelers, not just a good one. He was the most productive wide receiver in many categories over a long period of time. And he at one point became the highest paid wide receiver in the entire NFL, thanks to his former team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. There were occasional uprisings and negative headlines, including last year, remember, at the end, A.B. went AWOL on the Steelers. They wanted to beat up on the Cincinnati Bengals one more time, and he just went AWOL on them. It was another burned bridge for him in Pittsburgh, and it led to him being put on the trade block. Do you see it either Tony Dungy's way or Jerry Rice's way as Tom Brady is saying, oh, yeah, I'm about to meet with Antonio Brown. And as everybody knows, A.B. doesn't get signed by the Patriots unless Team owner Bob Kraft, of course, signs off. That's something you can assume at every single franchise. The Panthers did not sign controversial safety Eric Reid, the guy who knelt next to Colin Kaepernick, unless David Tepper, the new owner, signs off on it, period. Same thing here. We know the owner has to sign off. The way it works in New England, you also know that Bill Belichick has to sign off. And with a wide receiver, you also know that the 40-something Hall of Fame quarterback, Tom Brady, has to sign off. So Brady's all in. This is a worthy risk in his eyes. Belichick has been down somewhat similar roads before. It's a risk worth taking for a franchise that's winning more Super Bowls than anybody else. Do you see it either Tony Dungy's way or Jerry Rice's way? The all-time greatest wide receiver, Jerry Rice, and most famous for being a former 49er, but also a former Oakland Raider, we all got played by Antonio Brown. Now, some believe the conspiracy only started when the Mike Mayock-Antonio Brown stuff got personal. And they believe behind the scenes the Patriots started working with an agent they know well, Drew Rosenhaus, who represents Antonio Brown, and quietly made sure they knew, hey, if A-B stuff doesn't work out with the Raiders, we have a soft landing place for him with a reasonable amount of money here in New England, where if the guy wants to win a Super Bowl, nobody does that better than the Patriots. I am not a believer that the conspiracy could or did go all the way back to when the Steelers rejected the Patriots' offer of a first-round draft pick. That did happen, according to trustworthy media reports. When the Steelers put A.B. on the block, they got a couple of picks from the Raiders, but lower picks. They turned down the Patriots' offer of a first-rounder for A.B., in part because to get to the Super Bowl, of course, as a member of the AFC, you typically have to get past New England, and the Steelers just didn't want to hand Antonio Brown as much of a headache as he can be. He's also that good. So they turned down the Patriots' legit offer. He ends up with the Raiders in a different trade. Some think the conspiracy goes all the way back there, and Antonio Brown... Kind of like you see some NBA players, they want to chart their own future. Maybe they don't like how the collective bargaining agreement works. Well, I did sign that longer-term deal with the Steelers, but now I want out, and how dare they tell me I have to go to Oakland when I'd rather be in New England. I think there are too many tricky hoops to jump through for the conspiracy have started all the way back then. I don't think it's all that complicated once the whole world knew that it had gotten personal between Mayock and Antonio Brown. Do you believe that Jerry Rice is right when he says we all got played by Antonio Brown? Jerry Rice says that he had personal conversations with Antonio Brown where he said 
his desire to play in the Bay Area was one of the biggest drawing cards of the Raiders. It wasn't just, well, they offered a good trade and I'm happy to be here. No, I'm, I'm pumped up about living in this part of the country and playing for this organization and being in the Bay Area. Jerry Rice feels like he got played by Antonio Brown. And then Tony Dungy's comments were some that ruffled different feathers. The Super Bowl winning coach said he was disappointed in the team owner for signing A.B. I always say it this way. Put yourself in the shoes of the New England Patriots. Now, you can say that you never want your favorite team's owner slash GM slash decision makers to take a chance on a guy who turns his back on franchises twice in a row at this point. Antonio Brown did a lot of great things for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he did cross a line that you rarely see crossed when he refused to play for the Steelers against the Bengals in that season finale. He went AWOL on his team. That is a cardinal sin in the eyes of many professional athletes. Most don't cross that line. Antonio Brown clearly did cross that line. Similarly, all sorts of guys are unhappy with whatever, with their new team, their coach, their GM, their playing time, how practice is going, helmet safety issues, you name it, Antonio Brown was upset about it during his relatively brief time with Oakland. Lots of other athletes have lots of other problems with their franchises, but they don't get to the point where they're threatening fisticuffs and hurling expletives nose-to-nose against the general manager who is one of the highest-ranking members of any organization. That's enough. So he crosses rarely crossed lines in Pittsburgh. He crosses rarely crossed lines in Oakland. And you as a sports fan have to decide. I don't want my franchise messing with dudes like that who also has the complication. Why is it that there are these famous Pro Bowl chefs? Seriously, it's like a little cottage industry. You're bringing family and friends to the Pro Bowl. You hire this amazing chef for whatever, the whole week, part of the week. And this chef delivers amazing meals, but you're paying tens of thousands of dollars. Why is it that dozens of athletes have used this famous chef and the only athlete he ever had to sue was Antonio Brown of, of the Steelers slash Raiders? Why is it that Antonio Brown's the subject of other lawsuits over child support and other lawsuits over throwing furniture off of balconies? toward the swimming pool area below, right? I mean, this guy is truly erratic. That is not an exaggeration. But he's also one of the greatest wide receivers we've seen in modern NFL history. Where do you stand as a fan? What if David Tepper wanted to bring Antonio Brown to the Panthers? If all you care about is A, winning, and B, personnel, there's no argument. Some of you were mad at David Tepper for signing Eric Reed at safety, because you're mad about Kaepernick and the anthem and you have some convoluted logic where if somebody silently, peacefully protests about something that is wrong in our country, socially, that they're a bad guy because they're doing it during the anthem. I mean, the, the stuff that some Americans will put up with and say, no big deal, shrug your shoulders, but then a silent, peaceful protest you know, has you screaming bloody murder. I'll never understand those people. You don't have to like it, but it is a silent, peaceful protest that's relatively brief, and you don't even have to look if you don't want to look. Nonetheless, some of you would never want Eric Reed signed, even if your team needed a safety. Well, the Panthers went the other way. And whereas a handful of Panthers fans screamed and yelled and threatened boycott and I'll cancel my season tickets, we know most of you are full of it, and you don't change your actions 
nearly as much as you say you will. 99% of you are blowhards who never live up to your threats, and that's just a fact, as any of these franchises or leagues will tell you, TV ratings, season ticket sales, or otherwise. You say it, but you're not willing to follow through on it. It's faux social media anger, and you get it out of your system that way, and you might say something nasty about David Tepper, something nasty about the Panthers, something nasty about Eric Reed, but you get over it, and you realize it's a silent, peaceful protest, and even if you don't philosophically come to that conclusion, you certainly bailed on your threat of boycott or season ticket cancellation, right? That's how it usually works. Seriously, 99% of the time in my experience, the loudest, most obnoxious people who make those sorts of faux, angry, faux patriotic stands are full of it. In this particular case, there are a lot of anti-AB people for different reasons. This is Antonio Brown, highly productive but highly erratic. Would you want your favorite team, your favorite team if it's the Carolina Panthers, has as one of the bigger holes on its roster the lack of a big play wide receiver. DJ Moore is a promising young talent, so is Curtis Samuel. You have a veteran in Chris Hogan. You have other guys there. But the Panthers don't have what New Orleans has with Michael Thomas. The Panthers don't have what their NFC South resident Atlanta Falcons have in Julio Jones. They don't have what the Buccaneers visiting Thursday have with Mike Evans. If you listed the most dangerous wide receivers in the NFC South – You'd list players on all three other members of your division before you'd get to your first wide receiver for your Carolina Panthers. Obviously, this is only a hypothetical because A.B. has signed with the Patriots. But where do you stand as a fan? Tony Dungy is disappointed, in air quotes, in Robert Kraft for signing Antonio Brown. Now, Dungy didn't go into a long version, at least that I saw, of the why there. Tony's main point that I saw is that you don't reward people for misbehavior. You don't reward people for hurling invective toward their general manager. You don't reward a player who physically threatens a front office person. You don't reward a player for going AWOL on the Steelers and then in a different way going AWOL on the Raiders. You have to decide that either you don't care as long as a guy has a chance to help you win or you're drawing lines and behavior like that is not going to be accepted. The bottom line with the Patriots and why if I were a Patriots fan, and God knows that's a hypothetical, I'm not. If I were, though, do you know what you have to have besides the owner, in this case the coach and the quarterback, all buying in? There's no doubt Bob Kraft, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady all signed off on this. You know what you also have? It is one of the few franchises, in my opinion, where it is actually believable when a team says, my way or the highway. The New England Patriots asked their former players, asked their current players. We've interviewed many of them on this show. Rob Gronkowski was an eccentric, unique individual who partied like a rock star off the field and occasionally made some questionable judgment calls socially or even on the field. But the Patriots' way bar was not lowered for Rob Gronkowski. Even as he was a clown in some contexts, he was productive in the ways that matters mo- mattered most. To me, whereas most NFL franchises saying, well, we're going to sign Antonio Brown and we're going to demand that he lives up to our standard or it's just not going to happen. The Patriots are the most believable. And for those of you who roll your eyes at everybody, remember this. The Oakland Raiders drew that line and enforced that line. 
If you're one of those who say, you know, teams would sign an axe murderer if it could help them win. Well, the Oakland Raiders just sent the message that if you cross enough lines enough times, I mean, it's a clown show. Threatening the GM, injured feet because you wore the wrong shoes to cryotherapy, lawsuits for throwing furniture over balconies and chefs at the Pro Bowl that you're not paying for his services rendered. I mean, what kind of a clown show is this? And yet you are that six or seven time all pro Pro Bowl wide receiver. The Raiders just reinforced the idea that if you're that erratic in that many ways, they're going to get rid of you. And you are 31 years old, and whereas your numbers remain phenomenal in most categories, there's even some metrics that say you're not as good against man coverage as you were as a younger man. The New England Patriots, if I were in that fan base, one of the only reasons that I would sign off is because they are one of the few franchises where it is believable when they say my way or the highway. No nonsense or you're out of here. And again, ask former and current Patriots, they'll all tell you the same thing. Those wondering whether A.B. is setting a new precedent for star players kind of gaming the system, conspiracy-wise or otherwise, keep in mind an old rule of thumb. Be wary of drawing conclusions from anomalies. You're good with SAT verbal, right, Darren? You know what an anomaly is? It, was, it would be something that, uh, when compared to a group of instances, is vastly different than that, those other instances, right? Cookie Monster, I don't think, talks much in Sesame Street, but he is sometimes on screen as they're singing, one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> okay, Antonio Brown would be the NFL player who is, one of these things is not like the others. He is not like 99% of that league, both in erratic behavior and on-field productivity. If you already have too many bad apples, which, by the way, the Raiders do, Vontez Perfect, Richie Incognito, and otherwise, it's too many bad apples threatening to spoil the rest of the barrel. If you're the Patriots and you take fewer chances, still some, you get back to my theory about how people are different than apples. In humanhood, if you surround the occasional erratic bad apple personality with enough good apples, a bad apple can actually turn into a better apple. doesn't work that way on the farm. Agricultural rules do not apply here. The bad apple person can become the better apple person in the right environment, in the right franchise, surrounded by the right teammates. Do you want to defend the New England Patriots? Right now, do you want to defend that wide receiver core? They have three or four of the more dangerous wide receivers in the NFL at this point. And Tom Brady is throwing to those guys. The way the contract is structured, the Patriots are protecting themselves on the downside. The upside is obvious. The Steelers got the best of Antonio Brown. The Raiders, unfortunately, did not after their very brief experiment. The Patriots do live by the our way or the highway standard. And I think Antonio Brown, knowing that going in, rather than going to a place with a relatively new general manager and a wacky, weird ownership situation, just win baby worked for Al Davis for a long time with the Raiders. It can't work to this extreme when you're signing too many bad apples. The Raiders were reminded of that lesson the hard way. The Patriots don't have to play by the same rules because they don't have the same reputation. I'm not a fan of how Antonio Brown has led his professional life or his personal life at all. 
I am an admirer of his productivity on the field. Whereas were I a fan of three quarters of the team in the teams in the NFL, I would say this is not a risk worth taking. If you're a fan of the Patriots, I think you've got a large enough body of work to say it's at least worth the risk. 1-800-849-2761. Your phone calls on the other side. NFL, college football, and otherwise. More of my thoughts on the week to come and the weekend that was next on the David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. I was out yesterday. You can chime in today. What would you have harassed me about on yesterday's program? What is that question you needed an answer to when I could not reply to your email because I was on the golf course? 1-800-849-2761. It is your last chance to jump in today. I have some final thoughts on the weekend that was and the week to come as we look forward to the national spotlight being on our backyard. Thursday night football at the NFL level will be the Buccaneers at your Panthers. Friday night. The college football schedule will include the 2-0 North Carolina Tar Heels of the Mac is back Mac Brown vintage against the 2-0 Wake Forest Demon Deacons, who are also off to an impressive start. You can jump in. Who is the third best team in the ACC? We asked that just for fun because Clemson picked to win the Atlantic is 2-0 in dominating fashion. Virginia picked to win the Coastal is 2-0 in dominating fashion. Votes are all over the board reminding us how wide open the ACC is and even how the state of North Carolina is wide open. Wake, State, Carolina, and BC, all four of those teams are R2 and O, all getting votes for that question of the day. 1 800 849 2761 is your ticket into the program. One thing to remember about the Panthers as they host the Bucks. One of the reasons I said on Friday afternoon, even if the Panthers lose to the Rams as we had predicted, there's no reason to reach for the panic button unless the details were gory. And even though Cam had a horrible game, two ugly turnovers that to me were the difference between winning and losing. The Panthers as a whole, I thought, did more well than poorly. They could have won that game against the L.A. Rams, which I think will prove to be one of the top teams in the NFC again this year. The Falcons went to Minnesota and lost convincingly. The Buccaneers were at home against San Francisco and lost convincingly. We always say it's partly, of course, it's mainly about how good are you, this applies to the Tar Heels, the Panthers, or anybody else, but it's always also about your neighborhood. If you're Waker State, your neighborhood in the coastal in the Atlantic Division of the ACC includes Clemson. That's a much steeper mountain to climb, duh. If you're Duke or Carolina in the coastal, well, there's nobody to be afraid of. I think Virginia is the best team in that division. But the Cavaliers do not have the dominating athletes that, say, the Clemson Tigers have. So, yes, it starts with you, but, yes, it's also about your environment. And for the Carolina Panthers, their neighborhood, in air quotes, does include and is led by the New Orleans Saints, who I thought looked good. Drew Brees continues to look ageless as the Saints' starting quarterback. I think Houston's a pretty solid team. Panthers have the Texans on their schedule later this month. They actually go to Houston to deal with Deshaun Watson and friends. The Saints are good. The Saints, with good health, probably will be an NFC contender again. 
But if you're the Panthers, you can either – there's nothing wrong with challenging New Orleans for the top of the NFC South. If the Falcons look the way they looked at Minnesota, not good. And if the Buccaneers under a first-year coach, Bruce Arians, still have Jameis Winston throwing three interceptions, and that's to a 49ers team that is not expected to be great. If the Buccaneers continue to be cellar dwellers and the Falcons, who have been on a roller coaster in their four years under Dan Quinn, are lesser this year rather than a playoff version led by Matt Ryan, then your neighborhood is palatable. And it's one more reason not to reach for the panic button just because you started 0-1. 1-800-849-2761. How about this, schedule? You tell me what the Panthers' record will be after six games. You ready? Buccaneers at home, where almost all of us, I think, are going to take the Panthers. At Arizona, they were about to face plant in game one for new NFL head coach Cliff Kingsbury and game one for number one draft pick, the quarterback out of Oklahoma, Kyler Murray. They looked bad for much of that game. They came back. They had they showed some promise. So I wouldn't assume a victory, but I think the Panthers are a better team overall than Arizona. That is on the road. Then you go to Houston. How healthy is Deshaun Watson by that point? He's a heck of a quarterback, but man, does he take some shots. Maybe Houston will be a favorite in that game with Carolina visiting. Then you get Jacksonville at home and Tampa at home. You're telling me the Panthers don't have a great chance to be 4-2 and two or 5-1 and one in that opening six-game stretch? I think they can be. Cam needs to be better. They did escape the L.A. game with relatively few bumps and bruises, which is certainly a silver lining. Don't give up on the Carolina Panthers. Meanwhile, the Carolina Tar Heels... They deserve to be celebrated. That freshman quarterback, Sam Howell, he deserves to be celebrated. And, in fact, he's been the ACC Rookie of the Year, in uh, Rookie of the Week, rather, in both weeks they have handed that honor out. He's for real. Their running backs at Carolina are for real. Their wide receiver depth is for real. A handful of guys on defense are for real. Is the entire depth chart for real? That remains a question, and I think we'll get more answers because I believe Wake Forest is the answer to the next best team in the ACC. The Deacons will be hosting the Heels on Friday. It is one of the better matchups of the college football weekend to come. Heels at Deeks on Friday in Winston-Salem. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. Special thanks to NASCAR's regular season champion, Kyle Busch, for dropping by. Joe Person on the NFL from The Athletic Carolina. Tony Barnhart from ESPN and the SEC Network on all things college football. Among our guests tomorrow will be the legendary former head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, Bob Stoops is going to drop by. Dave Clawson and David Cutcliffe a little bit later this week on college football. TV picks, Braves, Phillies, and other baseball. The U.S. men's national soccer team faces Uruguay. Enjoy the games. We'll see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say... I love the state of North Carolina. 
love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.